So let's look and see. Let's turn to Revelation. Actually, before you turn to Revelation, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Last week, we established the fact that Paul said, and I use this scripture when I have done funerals. I've probably done 50 to 100 funerals in my time of being a pastor. I'm older than you think, okay? Excuse me, I'm more mature than you think. Um, but the, some of the scriptures that I go to when we're doing funerals is, you know, when you know a believer has passed away and they've passed into the heavens where all, all, all our other loved ones are who were born again. There's a scripture, we won't go to this one now, but in Philippians chapter 1, Paul said to depart and to be with Christ. He didn't say it was better. He said it was far better. It needs that adjective. To depart and be with Christ is not better than this earth. It's far better. It's not complete just to say it's better. No wonder, you know, when Jesus was getting ready to die on the cross and leave the earth realm and rise from the dead so we could all be saved, he told his disciples these things and they were having a hard time with the Lord leaving. And the Lord said, well, I'm going to leave and it's going to be better for you. And they couldn't comprehend that. And they were getting all sorrowful about the Lord's departure. And finally, Jesus had to say to them, he said, listen, you should be rejoicing right now because I said I'm going to the Father. When you lose a loved one, you don't lose them. They moved. Paul said to die for the believer is gain, not loss. We got to get this losing out of our mind. It's like they got on a big airplane and soared off to a country you're going to very soon yourself. A few more clicks. We're all out of the earth realm, guys. I don't care if you live to be 120 years old. A few more clicks, we're out of here. And you need to realize that this life on earth is the shortest thing we will ever do. So do it right. Whatever you got to give up, whatever you got to endure, whatever part of the flesh you got to crucify, do it because this earth life is the shortest thing we will ever do. And I do think believers need to be more reward-minded because there will be rewards in the world to come for things we did in this life. The book of Revelation, the first three chapters, talks about amazing, almost inexpressible rewards for those not just who are saved, but to those who overcame some things. Now you need to realize this. We're born again not because of anything we've done. But rewards are given because of what we've done. We're righteous not because of what we do, but we are rewarded because of what we do. We don't go to heaven because of what we do, but we're rewarded in heaven for things we do. There's a difference between being saved by grace through faith and being rewarded for things you overcame and endured and refused to give into when you knew wrong was wrong and right was right. And so Paul said to depart and be with Christ is what? It's not better. It's far better. I said this last week, but I'll say it to you this week. For the believer, this earth walk is as bad as it gets. For the believer in Jesus, this time on earth is as... But you say, Pastor, I've been having some pretty good times, you know. Cruising through the country and checking out the lakes and going to this land and going to that land and the beach and the palm trees and Disneyland and Paris. and It's been kind of fun. Yeah, it's as bad as it's going to get for the believer. Even if it is some good, it's as bad as it's going to get because where we're headed is what? Far. Far better. So even the best time on this planet is nothing compared to where we're headed because we believe in Jesus. Right? Right? Right. 
But for the non-believer, this earth life is as good as it gets. After this life, for the non-believer, those that reject the Lord, it goes down, way down. And it's not because the Lord's sending people. It's because people don't get off the road Adam put them on. And the only way to get off the road to hell that Adam put us on is believe in the only Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't... You have to watch out in the days that we're living in. There's a lot of weird deception going on in the earth. And a lot of people are saying there's many ways to God. If that's true, Jesus was a false prophet, a liar, everything but the Son of God, and a fraud. And he's not. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's called faithful and true. And there ain't no one like him in heaven or the earth. Right? Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the coolest of them all? Jesus is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, captain of our salvation, prince of the kings of the earth, lion of the tribe of Judah, and he reigns. And he's in us and we're in him if you're a believer. And so God didn't prepare hell for for man. He prepared hell for the devil and his angels. But if people don't get off the road Adam put them on, God don't have to send somebody somewhere they're already headed. He's trying to get us off this road, not send us down that road. And if people end up in hell, it's not because God wanted them there. God gives man an option. And we're called to preach this good news to our entire valley and beyond. Because without us, they're not going to know some of them. And we can't think that the person next to us is going to do all this work. We've got to act like we're the only ones here. And not miss an opportunity to share a good word, pray a prayer, invite somebody to church. I'm going to say this later because it's the last point this morning. But, um, And I'm sorry. You know what? Don't worry about the clock, Sean. You're okay. I'm sorry. Thank you for waiting. <laughs> I think we're going to go a little, little, just a little bit beyond TV time. But thank you. You're okay. Um, sometimes we film for TV and, and I, I didn't... Uh, Tell him I didn't say amen like I said because we didn't pray. <laughs> but thank you anyway. Where was I going? What was I going to say? Hmm? Oh, yeah. The last point. Uh, there's one thing better than you and me going to heaven. Now you think, well, wait a minute, Pastor. Heaven is far better. What, what could be better than going to heaven? Answer. Bringing somebody else with you because you are, influ- you are influencing them for Jesus and they got saved. You know, heaven would be a drag if there was nobody there. And I don't want to go to heaven if Jesus is not there. What good would that be? Now, in 2 Corinthians 5.1, Paul's talking about our bodies and about the day that our spirit leaves our bodies. And he said... Well, we think, you know, we're, we kind of got an opinion here. Um, we hope. No, he said, we're, we know. Everybody say, we know. Yeah. You don't have to wonder about this and go to bed afraid. Where, what's going to happen? We know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, if your body were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Now, again, you have to understand he's not talking about everybody on the planet. He's writing to a church full of born again believers. Unbelievers can't quote this scripture. 
How many know it's very important to believe in Jesus? You don't work your way to heaven. You receive Jesus and he takes you there. Religion says we got to work, 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 climb, climb, climb. Christianity says Jesus came down and the word got around, right? And so we, we get lifted up. You, you could never climb to heaven. Jesus has to save you to get there. But he said here, your body one of these days is going to dissolve. And if you're a believer, rejoice. You have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Now turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll read this scripture that we read last week because it shows us the reality of the spirit realm. The reality of heaven. Paul called it the third heaven. The first heaven is the atmosphere around us where there's birds and weather. But once you get out 100 or 200 miles, now you get into the stratosphere where weather can't reach. And of course, birds can't fly. And it's called the second heaven where the stars and the planets are. And the third heaven is where God's throne is. It's where he hangs out. It's where he lives. Now, he's in us by faith and his spirit is in the earth realm. God the Father is on a real throne in a real place. Jesus created all these things, visible and invisible, thrones, dominions, principalities and powers. Everything was created by him and for him. There is an invisible world and it's more real than the physical world because it came. This physical world came from the invisible world. Just the very fact that something's invisible shows you it's real. You wouldn't say invisible if it wasn't there. You just can't see it or perceive it with your five physical senses. Do you realize, beloved, that in this room right now, angels are everywhere. You have one if you're a born-again believer. I got one at least. Sometimes I think I might have needed two, but... We had a guy in our church who he moved to uh, Colorado Springs. He had a vision of the Lord and the Lord showed him that our balcony was was already filled with angels that love what's going on in our church. (laughs) It blessed me when he said that. I saw it in my spirit. Angels desire to look into such things, the Bible says, that we're doing right here and right now. And uh, 2 Corinthians 12, let's look at verses 1 through 4. Paul, most, most Bible scholars believe that Paul was talking about himself in these four verses. Now, whether he was talking about himself in the second or third person or not, we know this is a true account. I personally believe Paul was talking about himself for some reason. Do we call it in the third person? Paul says, it's not expedient for me, doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. Paul said, I knew a man in Christ. In other words, a man that was born again in Christ above 14 years ago. Now look at this. This is so interesting because some people think heaven is just wisp and energy. It's real. It's tangible. And there is a spiritual body that's so similar to the physical body, you probably can't even tell the difference unless you slow down and think about it. He said, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God knows. Such an one caught up. Now that's the same phrase used for the rapture. The church is going to be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's an event that's about to happen whether people believe it or not. Some things are going to happen whether you believe them or not. The Lord descending from heaven with a shout. And the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. 
And the dead in Christ are going to rise first, which simply means those that are in heaven already are going to get their immortal flesh and bone body first. And then we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord are going to be caught up together with them in the clouds. Caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. I'm just quoting scripture to you. This is not my ideas. This is a powerful event that's about to happen. Now, some of the people that are left behind, they've gotten some demonic deception in their brains and they've yielded to evil spirits. And they, they, they kind of project there's a cleansing coming on the earth. And a lot of people are going to disappear because they don't flow with our world system. Well, they're going to have to have some excuse. I mean, there's coming an event. There's going to be a lot of people disappearing quick, bodily, bodily are going to disappear. We're going to meet the Lord in the air. We're going to be caught up. Now, you need to understand events like this have already happened just in a smaller scale. The first person that was raptured out of the earth realm since Adam was Enoch. Didn't have a whole lot to say about him. It said that Enoch walked with God. And he had this testimony that he pleased God because he walked by faith. And the Bible says Enoch walked with God and was not. For God took him. For before his translation... He had this testimony that he pleased God. I believe in the last days the church is going to have a testimony that we are pleasing God. Amen. And Jesus is going to say, I can't do without you any longer, my bride. Come on up. And we're going to respond instantaneously. And we're going to meet the Lord in the air. And we are out of here for seven years. At an event called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. The Lord likes feasting. And we get to feast with him for seven. That's a long dinner. <laughs> seven years. And while we're feasting in heaven, there's going to be all hell on earth. The, the wicked man is going to be revealed. The son of perdition who exalts himself. All that is called God sits like he is God. He's going to rise up. The, the mystery of iniquity is going to be in full swing. I mean, everybody on the earth is going to do everything they feel like doing. It's going to be worse than Sodom and Gomorrah, and it's going to be worse than the days of Noah. But then the Lord's going to come back because the devil's lease is about up. And it said, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of the Lord. Behold, he cometh with millions of his saints to clean everything up. It's interesting to think that Approximately 5,000 years ago, a man saw you and me coming back to the earth with the Lord. Time is not time in the realm of the Spirit. When there's no beginning and no end, who cares about time? And Enoch saw the future. And he saw us coming back with the Lord. Behold, King James says, he prophesied, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands, plural, of his saints. Ten thousands, plural, in the King James means millions. And so we're coming with him back to the earth. And that event is called the second coming, different than the rapture. A lot of people get confused. Second coming scriptures confused with rapture scriptures. The second coming, he's touching the Mount of Olives and it's splitting in half. The rapture is we meet him in the air and go back to a marriage supper of the Lamb for seven years. 
But when he hits the Mount of Olives, it's over for the devil and his crowd. Oh, amen. It's over, man. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is going to begin to rule and reign, and there's going to be perfect peace, perfect joy. No more sirens needed, no more hospitals, no more law enforcement needed. <laughs> it's going to be a wonderful time. About that same time, a city is going to come down from heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. And I'm going to show you some scriptures about this city. Is that God, for some reason, decided to make this city into a cube shape. But it's made of transparent gems and jewels and gold. It's powerful. It's about 1,500 miles square. And I think we'll show a picture in just a minute, but not yet, of somebody who kind of did a diagram of this, how you can see how big this is. And it's going to hover over the earth. Way beyond Star Trek here. Way beyond Star Wars. We are, we are in the realm of the Spirit. And you and I have part of this. So, we, back here. He said, I knew such a man caught up to the third heaven. Next verse. Paul said, and I knew such a man. And again, he says, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knows. There's such a similarity. And, and some people have these questions. They think, well, when we get to heaven, will we know one another? Uh, do you know one another now? Uh, then you'll know one another then. Amen. I think personally, we're all going to look like we're about the age of 33 or so. In the 30s. I think we're all going to look like we were in the prime of our life, except zero, zero malfunctions, zero blemishes, zero. You, you, will, you will absolutely be 100% satisfied with the new you. You won't have one quirk about it. So he says, I, I can't tell, God knows. Next verse. He, how that he was caught up un, into paradise. So here he calls heaven paradise. And heard unspeakable words which is not lawful for a man to utter. One translation says Paul said he heard inexpressible secrets that were so sacred no mortal was permitted to repeat them. So we're way beyond the earth realm here. And you need to realize when we're talking about what heaven is like we're talking about a place where you are already a citizen of. Paul said in Colossians that we're already citizens and saints of this heavenly place, the household of God. We already are, our names are already on the roll. This is our place. And that's a really good thing. You don't have to turn there, but Deuteronomy 10, 14, God said, Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's your God, the earth also and all that therein is. So the Bible talks about the heaven of heavens. <laughs> okay? I mean, top notch. Can't get any higher. The heaven of heavens. So if you would please, I want to... Um, last week we read out of Revelation 2, and I'm not going to read that today. But let me just quote you a couple of scriptures before we talk about the new Jerusalem and that city. Jesus said in Matthew 5.12 that when you are persecuted for righteousness sake, for standing up for what's right, and you will be these days. How many of you realize if you call sin, sin today in front of some people, you will be, you will be hit with a lawsuit in some places. You'll be uh, judged for being a hater. 
Huh? You know, one time Jesus was ministering to a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And he said, lady, listen, I'm not going to condemn you, but go and sin no more. It's interesting to think that you can still call sin, sin and not condemn somebody for it. See, people think, well, if you're saying what I'm doing is sin, you're condemning me. No, or not. We don't condemn you. Jesus didn't condemn the woman, but he didn't disregard the fact she had sinned either. But if you're like, and Jesus in John 7, 7, he said, he said, the world doesn't hate you guys, but it hates me. And then he said, you know why the world hates me? Because I testify that its works are evil. And if you and I testify that some of these works going around us are evil, we will be hated. But you know what Jesus said to do when you're hated? When they revile you and persecute you and slander you because you're standing up for Jesus and you're standing up for what's right. You know what the Lord said? He didn't say, go be sad and hide your head under the bed. He said, rejoice, leap for joy and be exceedingly glad for so persecuted they the prophets. Great, he said, is your reward in heaven. Well, heaven must be real because there's rewards there. Great is your reward in heaven. Um, Jesus said in, in Matthew 5.16, He said, Let your light shine before men, that those men may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So we got rewards in heaven. God the Father's in heaven. Angels are in heaven. Our loved ones that have gone on to be with the Lord are in heaven. We're going to be there geographically very soon. So, let's look at it. Let's go there. Let's look at Revelation chapter 3. Paul said, Our citizenship is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Say this, I'm a citizen citizen of heaven. In Revelation 3, in verse 22, Jesus is talking about overcomers in the church. He said, He that has an ear to hear... Let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Next verse. No, I'm sorry, Revelation 3.12. Did I give you 3.22? There you go. Him that overcomes, Jesus said. Everybody say, him that overcomes. overcomes. Now listen closely, church. Not just him. That's a sweet, nice little believer. Just doing what he wants to do. Listen, if you're a believer, you're going to heaven. But to him that overcomes... Now, this is one in seven amazing rewards. You should read all three chapters to see more of the rewards. He that overcomes, Jesus said, I'll make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. When we're talking about rewards for being faithful, rewards for doing God's will, we're not talking about cool little gold trophies. We're talking about places, positions, and powers in the next life. Jesus even talked about people being rulers over cities in the millennium, which is the thousand-year rule and reign of Christ on the earth when it's all cleaned up. Y'all understand here? We're going to heaven for about seven years if the rapture comes, right, before we die. And then we're coming back to the earth for a thousand years. And a lot of us are going to have places and powers and positions because of certain things we did in this life for the Lord faithfully. Hmm? 
And the Bible says after that thousand years, well, let me, let me back up a little bit. The Bible says at the beginning of that thousand years, the devil and all his fallen angels are going to be cast into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. It didn't didn't say a whole host of angels had to get the devil in there. It said one angel slapped a chain on him and threw the devil in the bottomless pit. It didn't take a whole, it didn't even take two angels to bind the devil. It just took one angel, slapped chains on, threw him and all his followers in the bottomless pit. After a thousand years of ruling and reigning on the earth, it says the devil is going to be released for a short season. To try one more time to go deceive the nations. And then right after that, he is totally eliminated from human contact forever in a real place called the lake of fire. We do not know what it's like to live in a world free from opposing forces. We've never woke up one day of our life without feeling the opposing forces that were released on this earth when Adam and Eve rebelled. Devil, demons, spiritual wickedness, tempting, pulling, trying to block the reality of God from us, trying to keep us from walking in love, going to church, reading our Bibles. We, don't, we do not know what it's like to live in a world free, completely free of opposing forces to our walk with God. But it's coming. Hmm. You know, right now, I mean, there's darts of doubt and fear flying constantly trying to get believers to slow down in their walk for God and just kick back and do nothing or be afraid. But when we step out of these bodies and we enter into the presence of the Lord, doubt and fear is gone. We don't know what a world is like that, but we're going to. So let's now turn to Revelation 21 and get down to the meat of it here. Um, I would like to say this before I read that, though. Um, There's something I wrote down here. The Bible says in the book of Deuteronomy that we can have days of heaven on the earth. In other words, there's, there's some things that God wants to manifest from heaven to earth in our lives at times to give us tastes of the world to come. Real, tangible tastes. And before we're done, I'm going to show you some of those things about the powers of the world to come because they're real. Here's something I believe the Lord wanted me to say to you all. The more aware we are of what the Bible says about heaven, the easier it's going to be able to receive things from heaven into your life on the earth. There's some things in the heavenly realm that will totally fix your body. It's called spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. There's powers all around us that we can tap into and see things happen in our bodies, in our families, in our finances, in our businesses. There's things that heaven wants to do for us on the earth. And I'll prove it to you because Jesus said, pray that my will be done on earth, in your family, in your body, in your marriage, in your kids. Pray that my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, I have to ask yourself the question, how is it in heaven? Do you know why heaven's perfect? Do you know why there's no pain, no sorrow, no crying, nor anything that hurts? Do you know why heaven is perfect? Because God always gets His way there. What if God always got His way in our lives? Amen. Well, things would start to shape up even more. Now, I've been pastoring for 32 years, and I at times have not... 
More than not, I have not been fully yielded to the perfect will of God in my life. You know what I mean? Right smack dab in the middle. Because you know what? Being in the perfect will of God has a lot to do with living close to Him on a daily basis so you know how He wants you to live. There's a permissive will of God. God will permit certain things. But there's also a perfect will of God where God commissions things. I don't like the permissive will of God. I don't want God letting me do what I want to do. I want to know what He wants me to do. That's what I want to follow. And heaven is perfect. We're going to read here in this chapter. Heaven, there's no more sorrow, no more crying, no more dying, for the former things have all passed away. <laughs> Praise God. Now don't get too antsy to go. You've got a job to do. <laughs> Revelation 21. We're going to read the whole chapter. Y'all ready? We're going to read it out of the King James. They'll put it on the screen. John, he's having a vision on the Isle of Patmos. <clears throat> and he said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. Next verse. And I, John, saw the holy city. It's like an I, John. This is like a true account. I mean, we're talking about, this is not a fairy tale. This is not a script for a Hollywood movie. I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem. Everybody say city. 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 Oh, God's prepared a city. And you talk about high tech. Oh, my goodness. Abraham, thousands of years ago, looked for this city. The patriarchs of old looked for this country, this heavenly city. They, they considered themselves pilgrims and strangers on the earth because they knew this isn't my eternal country. I see one coming. And they didn't live for themselves on the earth. They lived for God on the earth. He said, I saw New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven. So there is a heaven. And there's a city in this place called heaven. And there's a city coming down from this place called heaven. Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. In other words, it's decked out. And the Lord did it for us. He said, I'm going to please my people. <laughs> Next verse. John said, and I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will live with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death. Neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Amen. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful... Now, can, I, can you look at me for a second? We need to quit pointing our fingers at other people. And, oh, these people over here, they're liars. All oh, these people over here, they're cheaters. All oh, these people over here, they're, they're fornicating. These people... Hey, listen, this list starts with the fearful. Yeah. All right? The fearful and unbelieving... And the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, brimstone, which is the second death. Now, 
We all know that if we're believers in Jesus, we're going up when we leave this earth realm. But people who refuse to believe in Jesus and walk in these areas right here, they ain't allowed. So he's, they're not, if you, you got to read all scriptures in context. This is not just talking about people who have done these things and repented and believe in Jesus. Those people are still going to heaven. There will be all kinds of ex-adulterers in heaven, ex-murderers in heaven, because they received Jesus before they left the earth realm. But people that never received Jesus and still practice these things right here, it says they're not allowed. Now, you ready? let's read some more. You're going to freak out at some of these verses. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had seven vials full of seven last plagues, talked with me, saying, Come up here, I'll show you the bride, the lamb's wife. Let's just keep rolling. And there came... Is this the next verse? And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Having the glory of God... And her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. You guys ready? Las Vegas. (laughs) Dull. Dull. Gray. (laughs) They were way beyond LED lights here. Oh, oh, this is interesting. Heaven has a wall. (laughs) Now, wait a minute. It's great and high. (laughs) But hey, if there's gates, praise God. Just find the gate. Amen, right there. Just find the gate. Heaven has a wall, great and high. And had 12 gates. And at the gates, 12 angels. So we've got some security here. And names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. Let's keep rolling. On the east, three gates. On the north, three gates. On the south, three gates. And on the west, three gates. I wonder why there's walls in heaven. Well, we just read. There's some previous verses. There's some people that should, should not be allowed in. Next verse. Is that the next verse? And the wall, of the, he's still talking about the wall. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations. I wonder how much it costs to build this wall. (laughs) No, really, what are the the gates made of? What are the foundations of the gate made of? And in them, the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And as he talked with me, he had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof. And the city lieth four square, and the length is large as the breadth, and measured the city with the reed, twelve thousand furlongs, the length and the breadth of the height of it are equal... And he measured the wall thereof, and a hundred and forty and four cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of the angel. All right? And the building of the wall of it was as jasper. I wonder how much that would cost. And the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. I'm going to try to pronounce all these. The first foundation was jasper. The second, sapphire. The third, chalcedony. The fourth, an emerald. The fifth, sardonyx. The sixth, sardius. The seventh, chrysolite. The eighth, beryl. The ninth, topaz. The tenth, uh, chrysophorus? I don't know. The eleventh, jansen? The twelfth, an amethyst. Now, can I just say before we read any longer, 
The, we're not talking about stones and rings. We're talking about foundations under a city. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So even, even the dirt below the city is amazing. Yeah. And the 12 gates were 12 pearls. So one huge pearl for each gate. Every several gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold as it were transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of sun, neither of the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God did lighten it. And the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. Notice it didn't say the nations of them who were perfect. Right? The nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. Everybody say, this is real. It is real. Next verse. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of all the nations into it, and there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defiles, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. That's a good glimpse. Aren't you glad you can go home and read this out of all other translations and just keep building more and more clear what this real place called heaven is like? In closing, um, we're going to have to end with this, which I thought we would get into this today, but let's look here at Hebrews chapter 6. And then we're going to go ahead and close here. And while you're turning there, I want, to, um, I want you to realize that this place called heaven, it's powerful. It's real. And you're going there if you're a believer. However, I, I want to, there's things you can experience on the earth that are from heaven. I have had about four, three, actually three experiences in my life since I've been a believer where heaven manifested in my presence because one reason I really needed it. You remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane becoming sin for us and getting ready to go to the cross and be separated from the Father? He was, he was dealing with some stuff. Actually, in uh, Lou's presentation of, of the medical side of the crucifixion and the whipping was so good. He shared with Dominic and I a, a whole presentation on PowerPoint of all the medical things that happened to Jesus when he was beaten and crucified and, and stabbed and all. Just such a powerful revelation. If you want to know some more about it, you need to see Lou right over here because he's got a great presentation on that. Maybe some of your businesses would want that. Really good. But as, we were, uh, as, as Jesus was sweating, as it were, great drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane, it said, because I think he was about ready to die. I think the pressure was so strong on him, he about died, and he couldn't die. He had to go to the cross. And a lot more was going on than you could see with your physical eyes. He was becoming sin for us. There were some things going on in the invisible world that were very difficult for the Lord to go through for us. Some people said, well, did Jesus die spiritually? Well, if he didn't, you'd have to. Because he had to pay that price, and the price was spiritual death. But he was quickened. And he became alive. He's the firstborn of every creature. What does that mean? Well, you know what it means. We're all new creatures in Christ. He was the first. And he never sinned. He became sin. So he could take our punishment so we could go free. Amen. But I mean, it said an angel from heaven. Everybody say from heaven. Appeared unto Jesus, strengthening him. 
And it reminded me of when he was in the wilderness a few years before, 40 days and 40 nights. Uh, yeah, 40 days and 40 nights fasting and the devil hit him hard. And it said after those 40 days and 40 nights of temptation, it said angels came and ministered to him from heaven. And he returned in the power of the Spirit and had a three and a half year ministry that changed everything. I remember three times in my life, I remember after I'd gotten saved and I started working in the church. I was a praise and worship leader here in town. And I was praising the Lord and worshiping. I was still coming out of darkness because I was in a lot of darkness. The devil had a really grip on me. I had to overcome demons and darkness and all kinds of stuff. It was terrible. But I got through it. And I didn't get through it just because I prayed a prayer and everything was wonderful. I had to develop in some areas to get out of it permanently. I had to get in the Word. I tell you, I had to preach whether I wanted to or not or whether people needed it or not or I would die. I needed to be so close to the Lord because the enemy was bidding high for me. I think he knew one of the things I was going to be doing. I don't know if I had a glimpse of some of this stuff. But I remember I was going through the worst trial of my life in our trailer home over there in uh, Cottonwood Meadows. And I was shaving and we're young and Isaac's young, Rachel's a little baby. And, and I'm shaving. I'm thinking, Lord, is this warfare ever going to end? Because it was so, oh, you just wanted to die. The attacks on the mind and the emotions and the doubts and the fears and Plus, growing up without, without a dad didn't help much either. You know, I didn't have a whole lot of discipline in my life. And so I'm thinking, Lord, I, don't, I, I was so depressed, I didn't even think heaven could fix me. And so I'm sitting there shaving, and all of a sudden, in my bathroom, in that trailer court, all of a sudden, all I can say to you is a presence came into that bathroom. And that presence had an atmosphere with it. And I tell you, for about 60 seconds... I couldn't be afraid if I tried. I couldn't doubt if I tried. I couldn't try to feel bad about anything if I tried. I felt like I could climb the Empire State Building a hundred times. I felt like I could do anything and go anywhere. There was zero fear, zero doubt. And I'm thinking, Lord, what is this? And I, the Lord say, said, that's a taste of heaven. Don't give up, son. This battle is won. Don't worry about it. You'll get freedom very soon. And I'm sitting there crying and shaving and thinking, man, I could do anything. Because just a few moments before, I felt like I was, uh, I was afraid. I was paranoid. I was doubting, unbelief. And all this stuff was all over me. And all of a sudden, boof, it's all gone. And I'm basking in this presence, just crying. I put the razor down, just weeping. And I thought of the scripture. An angel from heaven appeared unto him and strengthened him. When an angel who's always before the face of God gets to manifest wherever you're at, you feel where he's been. It's kind of like campfire smoke. The campfire's gone. You know, you're 10 miles away from it now, but you still got that smell on you and people can smell it. Well, when an angel from heaven shows up, they don't need to say a thing. You just get free just sensing the presence where that angel's been. That happened to me and I got so free and it helped. Oh man, did it help me. And then I got back in the world and the doubt started coming again, but I had, had something to hold on to. Had something to hold on to. Couple, about a year and a half or two after that, I'm driving down the road, kind of still battling a few things, not even close to what I had been. Um, the, press, some, uh, the same presence comes into my car. I'm down here like... Spiritual things are like they happened yesterday. I know exactly where I was. I was on 9th and Pitkin going north on 9th Street. And all of a sudden I had to pull my car over because I could hardly stand it. Something so sweet just filled my... It was heaven. Days of heaven. Something so sweet filled my... I had to pull over. I said, Lord, what is this? I started crying. And I was just like, what is this? This is amazing. Please don't let it stop. He said, Son, you're in my perfect will. 
That's what you're sensing here. And I'm pleased with you. Now, if that feeling happened 24-7, we wouldn't develop in faith. We wouldn't see any need to walk by faith. So what happened after that sensation left? I had to start walking by faith saying, thank you, Lord, I'll never forget that experience. It strengthened me. It empowered me. God wants to do things like, like this for us at times. Not too long ago, a couple years ago in my office here, on a Wednesday night, heaven again manifested in my presence. These things didn't happen every day in the Bible. They don't happen every day for us either. If they did, we'd never see any need to develop in walking by faith. I was in my office a couple years ago, and I'm telling you, I read the chapter of the day. You know, we all read our chapter. It's amazing what could happen if you read your chapter every day. I'm reading our chapter, Genesis chapter 28. At the end of the chapter, it talks about Jacob having a vision of God and a ladder going through the portal into heaven and angels ascending and descending. And I'm like reading all this, and, and all of a sudden, the same presence comes in my office. And a lot of you were here, and I shared it with you on a Wednesday night, because it happened on a Wednesday morning. And I mean, I was so touched. It's like God saying, son, I love you. Everything's going to be all right. Every vision I've spoken is coming to pass times more, times a hundred. I called Carla, started weeping, asked her for a prophecy from Jerry Savelle because something else was on my heart. And, and it la- this one lasted like 15, 20 minutes. It was amazing. Changed my life forever. That's a taste of where we're going. You don't care about anything. You couldn't have a care if you tried to have a care. So let's read this final scripture in Hebrews 6, and then we'll go ahead and close, and I'll share one more thing with you about a man in our church who had a vision of Jesus a couple days ago, and I want to share that with you, and then we'll close. So this scripture says, now, don't don't get caught up with the, the, the sin he's talking about here. I want you to see something. It says, Paul says, for it's impossible, it's impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. If they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. So he's talking here about it's impossible to get somebody to repent who's in rebellion, who doesn't want to repent. The word fall away is the word apostasy. It means somebody who's boldly and clear thinkingly rejects Jesus and rejects the gospel and doesn't want to go back to the Lord. You can't make somebody repent is what he's saying here. You can't make somebody love Jesus if they don't love him. He's not saying this happens to you beyond your ability. These are people who don't want the Lord anymore. But if you go back to the previous verse, he talks about these people tasting powers of the world to come. Powers of the world to come. Do you realize we can have some tastes in this life of powers of the world to come? I'm just going to name you four real quick, and we'll study them some other time, maybe on a Wednesday night or something. One of the powers of the world to come is when Jesus talked about whosoever shall say to this mountain, mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea. If you don't doubt in your heart, you believe what you say is going to come to pass, you'll have whatever you say, including moving a mountain. That's a power of the world to come. We get tastes of that in this life. Amen? Because we've all seen some results in speaking against a problem or speaking to something that's come against our life and seeing it change. Powerful. The Lord's given us this. Isn't it cool to know you have the power in God to move a mountain if you needed to? It's, it's like insurance that you'll never use in this life. But isn't it good to know you got it? 
Now, I've seen some things move through words and through faith, like Jesus said, in my own body. Uh, lumps, on my, uh, something on my bone one time, spoke to it. Thank God it disappeared. It didn't disappear immediately. I had to fight the good fight of faith, but today it's gone. We've seen people speak to other things and things change. Well, listen, if our Father God spoke everything into existence, why would it be weird that we could speak to a few things and see some good changes in our life? People do this in the negative all the time, and they wonder why they have all these problems. Hmm, I wonder if there's a connection. <laughs> Stupid car, boom. Yeah, it'll probably never run again, man. <laughs> you don't want to be kicking your car saying, Stupid car, if you're in the middle of Alaska, freezing, and you got to get something. You might want to say, Bless car, bless car, bless. You're going to get me to my destination, blessed. Use your powers for you instead of against you, right? I, um, this, this book I have is uh, by four medical doctors. Um, vision therapy, the natural way to better eyesight. In one of the chapters there, it talks about aversion therapy, about just getting mad at your situation and stomping an old pair of glasses on the ground and say, I'm going to see better in Jesus' name. These exercises are going to work. They didn't say in Jesus' name. I added that because that's... They, they said, just, just get mad at the problem. That These doctors are doing experiments, how people get better. And so here's what they said, quote, studies of cancer patients have shown that spontaneous remission occurs most often in patients who curse and revile their tumors. Doctors. Now, Jesus said it 2,000 years ago that you can speak and believe for change. But doctors, after all their research, said studies of cancer patients have shown spontaneous remission occurs most often when patients curse and revile their tumors. I don't accept you. I bind you in Jesus' name. Leave my body. According to Mark eleven twenty three, 23, that's a taste of the power of the world to come. Where words are like uh, earth-moving equipment. You know what else is the power of the world to come? Translations. Right? So here's Philip, right? Baptizing the Ethiopian eunuch in the water, right? He got, just got him born again, so he's going to go back and get the queen saved. So he's baptizing this Ethiopian eunuch. They come out of the water, and it said the spirit caught Philip away. He disappeared. And the Ethiopian eunuch's going... <laughs> he's thanking God he's born again, man. He goes back to Ethiopia and has revival, I'm sure. But Philip finds himself about 20 miles away in a city called Azotus... Immediately. Boom. Boom. You talk about first class. That's called the translation. Amen. Walking on water. In the next life? You know, I guess if there's water, you can walk on it. Jesus enters into the room, doors being shut in a physical flesh and bone body. How do you do that? It's the power of the world to come. How do you walk through a wall or a door? How do you get into a room with the doors being shut? He didn't climb through a window, okay? <laughs> he appeared in a room with this. We're not talk, not, he said, a spirit hath not flesh and bone. It's me, guys. How do you do that? That's the power of the world to come. We get tastes of things like that in this life. If you read the book of Acts, you'll see it in there too. So, in closing, I want to say this. As amazing as heaven is and as powerful as this place called the New Jerusalem is that's coming down from heaven, a, a, a gentleman in our church, is D Dennis or Lillian here today? 
Dennis, Lillian, is it okay if I share this? Andrew said I could. Is that good? I wanted to share this. So Andrew Mercer, who a lot of you know, Andrew Scott Mercer, he said I could say his middle name, he, uh, he was diagnosed with cancer a few days ago and uh, went to the hospital and they gave him a very black, bleak report. Um, so much so that he said he wanted to just probably go ahead and go to heaven. And so he's planning on just kind of leaving the earth, you know. I mean, he, he knew some about this place. He'd been coming to church for a long time. And, and uh, he said that, and, and boy, when he comes, he can even share this in full detail. But what, what he shared touched my heart. I cried with him and rejoiced with him and just praised God with him. So he's, he's in his room. And he's thinking about just going to be with Jesus, not fighting, you know, just go to hospice and die. And he said he saw the Lord. He had a vision. This is like three days ago or so. He had a vision. I think it was four in the morning. I'm, I think I'm correct. He, he said he came and he could see heaven like he was on a mountaintop and he could see heaven in a distance. The city. He's going, Wow. Wow. But it's so interesting, something overrided just this place called heaven. You think, what could be greater than heaven? Listen, let's listen for a second here. Something got his attention. As beautiful as heaven is, there's something a lot more important going on than just going to heaven. You need to understand this. That's a real place, but there's something more important. You know what it is? It's the people all around us. Right now, who may not be on the road to heaven. And so he's, he says this, these angels picked him up and took him and set him right before Jesus. This is your friend Andrew in our church. Set him before the Lord. And he said he looked at the Lord and he said the smile, his face was undescribable. And he said, the thing, now I'm giving to you what I remember. He said, and he said the Lord walked up to him. And he kind of fell, and he said, I couldn't really look in his face yet. So he's still kind of looking at the ground and kind of, kind of like kneeling in front of him. And then I think he said his arms began to come around him. And he said he, he looked up and he saw the Lord in his face and the Lord was crying. And he said the Lord was not, he, he, he wasn't going to discipline me. He wasn't going to scold me. He just wanted to hug me. And he said when the Lord hugged me, he said I felt his pain for all the people I didn't say the words to. I was supposed to say good words to. Things that would have made an eternal difference in people's lives. Little hellos, little God bless you's, nice things to say. He said, I have never, ever felt that kind of pain in my life. And he says, the tears were coming down his face. The tears were coming down my face. And he said, when he hugged me, I felt his pain. And he said, it changed his life forever. He will never be the same. He wouldn't wish that pain on anybody, although in one sense he's glad it happened because it, it caused him to realize and to see these people all around us. Paul said in Philippians 4.1, you're my joy. You're my joy. Talking to the people at Philippi, you're my joy. Everybody's looking for joy in the wrong places. Your joy is in helping other people. Mm-hmm. Paul said, you're my joy. You're my crown. You're my reward. Yes. I was all depressed trying to find help. Find it in helping other people. That's where the real joy comes from anyway. And he said, as he hugged the Lord and the Lord hugged him, he said, I felt his pain. He said, I, I couldn't even stand it. He just tried to tell me and, and as clearly as possible that he felt the Lord's pain. And, and, he, and he got the message, Lord, I want to live. 
And I don't want to pass up opportunities anymore to help people in any way I can, a small word, a a large word or whatever, to help them get on the road. So when I'm in heaven, I will see them there, too. And he said the pain about knocked him out. But he also had hope, realizing, you know what? I can live and do something now. I can change some things. I told him, I don't know, Dennis and Lillian, I don't know if, I said, you know, we've got, we've got greeter positions open in our church. And when you think of Andrew, the former Andrew, you wouldn't think he would want to be a greeter. He said, I'll do it. He told me, he said, I'll do it. Tell him I'll be there. I'll be a greeter in Faith Heights Church. And I'll greet people. This is totally opposite of his past personality. So I think I recalled that pretty good. I think he could do a better job. But that changed my, when I heard that. I thought, let's talk about heaven. But guys, let's also talk about bringing other people with us. Will you be cussed out once in a while? Probably. But just know they're going to go home some night and they're going to remember what you said. And it may change their life, even though the first word was an F word or whatever against you. Right. We don't let that move us. We go to the next person. We say that kind word. The Lord prompts us more than we want to admit it. To slow down. Speak to this person. Offer prayer. Slow down, son. Slow down, daughter. Give him a good word. Tell him everything's going to be okay. He does that more than we're wanting to admit, and we need to start yielding. Because he's not going to yell. He's just going to prompt you. Let's populate heaven. Let's depopulate hell. Let's get on the ball. Amen? Let's bring people to this amazing place called heaven. In Jesus' name. That's all i got time for. Let's stand up.